Welcome to Tales from the Mooseverse. We're glad to have you here. My name is Ian. Montgomery the Moose and Friends are traveling back in time to rescue the history of chocolate before it's erased from the memory banks of Spaceship. Accompanying them is their friend Bobby, but he's been in a pocket dimension prison known as Tahiti for the last year after trying to change the culture of his people, who've been living in secrecy in Madagascar, observing Earth's species. Bobby is hurt that Montgomery the Moose didn't use magic to free him from his prison, but Montgomery feels that it is wrong to interfere with the decisions of other cultures. Also with them is the current version of Spaceship, now using the name Alamina, who has had her memory wiped, but is now capable of transforming into a much larger ship, able to hold all the friends inside her cockpit. But for now, let's go back to what happened to Bobby and Spaceship when they left Central Park after the group freed the world from chocolate. As always, stay tuned after the story for a way you can join in. So now here's today's Tale from the Mooseiverse. An hour or so after Montgomery the Moose stood on Central Park's Bow Bridge and said the fateful words, no more chocolate, A spaceship in need of repair had made it about 20 miles away in a southeasterly direction. It was just a few hundred feet above the Atlantic Ocean, flying much slower than usual, partly because Spaceship's cockpit was broken and stuck open, but mostly because she was wrapping up the story of what had been happening recently to her passenger and friend, the three-eyed green alien named Bobby. So then he said, no more chocolate. Very dramatic, just like that. No more chocolate. And that's when everything turned back to normal, including you. What? But that's amazing. And the dragons? Oh, yeah, they're fine, I guess. They flew off into space. Wow, Bobby replied with wonder in his voice. Space. He got lost in thought for a moment. So Montgomery the Moose is magic now has magic, Spaceship corrected, or was chosen by magic. It's actually difficult to know the relationship, really. Is magic an entity of its own? Huh, I don't know, Bobby replied. But you're saying he could have just teleported us to Madagascar? Oh yeah, he could have. So why didn't he? Well, Spaceship started. She had been the one to decline, but now that they were flying at much slower speed than usual over the Atlantic Ocean, and would be for a very long time, she could see how teleporting would have been useful. Well, anyway, it gives us a chance to reconnect, and I'm not feeling great, actually. Maybe you could help me. You're telling me you're not feeling great right as we're starting a 3,000-mile flight over the ocean? It's actually 8,653 miles to Madagascar in total. What? Yeah, I feel kind of... Congested. Congested? Like you have a cold? You're a spaceship. How could you be congested? I think I picked something up from all of our travels. We went under the Pacific Ocean, you know. I'm not sure mechanical things like me are meant to go under the ocean. Well, except submarines, I guess. What's a submarine? Bobby asked. It's a... It's a... A... a chew. Spaceship sneezed shaking everything in the cockpit. Bobby was confused. Spaceship didn't even have a nose and didn't breathe at all. How could she sneeze? You okay? Bobby asked cautiously. Uh, I'm not sure, 
I have something inside. I think I'm gonna crash. Um, what? But Bobby soon figured out what Spaceship was saying when her power went out, and they fell, gliding at first, but then crashing, down onto the ocean's surface. Bobby had had enough experience with Spaceship crashing that he knew exactly how to respond whenever it happened, based on the scenario and the time he had to use the resources around him. In this instance, he determined that he had enough time to open a nearby panel and pull out an inflatable cocoon that would keep him safe during the crash. But when he pulled it out, what was that? he asked himself. It was something dark, gray, and slimy that seemed to be sticking through a hole in the back of the storage space. Just as he stuck his head in to investigate, though, poof! Spaceship hit the water and the inflatable cocoon exploded open, punching Bobby in every single part of his body to very painfully keep him safe. The cocoon did such a good job of keeping him safe that he struggled to breathe, especially as he rolled around and around and upside down. When he saw some water start to trickle in through the gaps in the cocoon, he realized what had happened. With Spaceship's cockpit stuck in the open position, the cocoon had bounced around in the crash and he'd bounced all the way out. Now he was in the ocean. Ah! He panicked, trying to push the inflatable cocoon open. Spaceship! Spaceship! Help me! but the cocoon was so intent on keeping him safe that it just kept closing around him. He was getting plenty of air from the opening above him, so he wasn't in immediate danger, but the water was coming in from the opening below, and if he couldn't get the cocoon open, he was going to be stuck floating on the ocean forever. Beep, beep, he heard the release button signaling to him. Beep, beep. Great, he'd be able to open the cocoon flat. He looked around him to follow the sound, but didn't see anything. Then it dawned on him. With Spaceship, everything had some kind of problem. He closed his eyes and listened intently. He took a deep breath to calm himself down when his hearing confirmed what he thought. Beep, beep. Of course, the button's on the outside. Bobby flailed his three arms in every direction, hoping he could stretch one out of one of the gaps to reach the button. But it was impossible. He was stuck. Suddenly, a shiver went down his spine. Something was touching his head, something slimy, but the water was below him. So what was above him? Terrified, he tried to turn his head and move one or all of his eyes to a place where he could see. Ah! he shouted. Sure enough, there was something slimy reaching in, something slimy and gray. It was long, like a giant tongue reaching to find something, but it also had suction cups coming off the bottom. Spaceship, spaceship, help! I think I'm going to get eaten! The next thing he knew... The cocoon started opening up to become a raft. The creature must have knocked the button. Finally, Bobby was free, but now what? He scrambled to be on top of the raft, but still, a creature was somewhere underneath him, underneath the raft, trying to eat him. He stood up on the raft. The water was calm, and about 50 feet away, he saw a spaceship resting on the surface with her cockpit still open. The creature was nowhere to be seen. Could he make it to spaceship and climb in in time? What other choice did he have? I wish that moose had teleported us, he shouted as he jumped into the water. Just above the surface, he realized he'd never actually been in water before, but how hard could it be to move through? I mean, I walk on land all the time. This can't be that different, he thought. But once he was in, he quickly realized that it was very different. His arms and legs flailed around trying to get hold of anything solid as his head kept sinking under the water. And then, just when he thought things couldn't get any worse, the slimy tongue-like thing wrapped itself around him. And then another one. And another. 
Before he could call out to spaceship again, though, he felt himself being pulled up to keep his head above the water. Instead of being eaten, he was actually being supported. He felt his body being lifted back onto the inflatable cocoon raft that had tried to keep him safe by almost killing him. And then the slimy tongue things let go. What's, what's going on? Bobby asked the world around him. He looked behind him to see that the slimy tongue things were connected to each other, and there were more than three of them. In fact, it looked like there were eight. And where they connected, there was some kind of head with eyes. Bobby didn't realize it, but he was looking at a creature whose kind had existed for the last 296 million years. An octopus. So yeah, said the octopus, I guess that answers my question. I guess you're not the kings of the ocean. What? Bobby replied. Well, when you all appeared out of nowhere, it all seemed so magical. Everything around us was brown and solid. Chocolate, Bobby chimed in. Okay, chocolate. I don't know what that is, but sure, the octopus replied. But you weren't. Well, I actually was. Oh, well, okay, you actually were, but everyone else wasn't. And we've all just been swimming around our whole lives without any real leadership. I just thought that maybe after all this time, the creatures in charge were finally here. And, you know, he added somewhat sheepishly, since you all came out of nowhere, I thought you might leave quickly too, so I kind of snuck onto your boat. Boat? Oh, you mean my spaceship, Bobby said, looking over at his powerless friend. Spaceship? Well, I mean, not to be rude, but I've seen ships with a lot more space than that. The octopus, who introduced himself as El Ocho Loco, pulled Bobby's raft back over to spaceship and kept asking questions to find out more about Bobby and the whole group. Who are they all? Where are they now? How long had each of their species been alive? And so on. I mean, have any of your species been alive more than 296 million years? Because if so, I'd like to know about it. 296 million years is a long time, you know. We've evolved pretty well, I'd say. On average, that's one leg every 37 million years. I think we're about due for another one, actually. What? Bobby answered, feeling lost. Bobby cleared spaceship solar panels and climbed inside to check the controls. El Ocho Loco followed him in. Um, Bobby said feeling like he hadn't exactly invited the octopus in. But the octopus didn't seem to mind and made himself at home. Oh, this is great, El Ocho Loco said. Now I don't have to hide anymore. I can just be myself out in the open. I love it. So that was you in the compartment? Bobby asked. Just then, Spaceship's power kicked on again. Wow, Spaceship exclaimed. I feel so much better. Thank you so much. How did you get rid of my congestion? Well, your congestion, Bobby looked over to the octopus had eight legs, but it saved me in the water, so I guess it's not all bad. Did you know how hard it is to walk in water, by the way? They should have signs on the top warning you about that. I can't walk, Spaceship replied matter-of-factly. Yeah, well, Bobby replied, you can fly, so... It seemed like Spaceship wanted sympathy, but Bobby didn't have any to give. So, are you in charge or not? Elocho Loco asked, because let me just say, the ocean is a mess. Creatures just all over the place, eating each other without any rules or order, and junk on the ocean floor. And everything just moves around all the time, too. Sometimes I could be swimming one way, and then the water pulls me a different way. It's all the fish making waves with their crazy disorganized swimming. It's chaos. No, we're not, Spaceship replied. Life in the ocean follows the model of anarchism. Every creature makes their own decisions without a formal hierarchy. 
Sensing the confusion in El Ocho Loco's pause, and without realizing the monumental impact her next statement would have, Spaceship summed it up more simply. No one's in charge of the ocean. No one? Meanwhile, 20 feet directly below them, something else monumental was taking place. Spaceship's future self, the larger ship, now known as Alamina, had materialized directly into the ocean, displacing the water that previously occupied that space. Her crew on board instinctively held their collective breath as they saw that they were underwater, but Alamina's structure was intact and there was no danger at all. So where are we? Montgomery the Mouse asked. The more accurate question is, when are we? The future version of Bobby replied. The group looked at Montgomery the Moose for answers. We're right where we need to be, Montgomery confirmed. Alamina? Yes, Alamina responded pleasantly. Could you retrieve the history of chocolate from spaceship's memory banks above us? There was a pause. I could, Alamina replied finally and slowly. There's a butt coming, Fred the Labrador Retriever said, and most of the group nodded in agreement, some saying, yep, definitely a butt coming. Mr. Toucan looked around with a mix of confusion and panic. Where's the butt? But, Alamina finally continued, Bobby would need to give the manual override to do so. Oh, is that all? Bobby, can you do that? Montgomery the Moose asked the Bobby who stood in front of him. From inside spaceship, Alamina clarified. Ah, I see, Montgomery the Moose said. Well, that shouldn't be a problem, right, Bobby? Well, how am I going to get in there without them realizing, he asked, before it sunk in again that he had just traveled through time and space with the magical moose. Oh, right, he said, unimpressed. Magic. Montgomery the Moose stopped time for everyone except Alamina and her crew. The only way any of them realized he had was because the fish that they could see from Alamina's now many windows were frozen in place like museum displays. Okay, Bobby said. Send me up there, Moose. Bye, everyone. In an orange glow, Bobby was gone. Twenty feet above, an orange glow ushered Bobby into familiar surroundings, the smaller, rounder interior of spaceship with which Bobby was much more familiar, including the dome cockpit stuck in an open position. Above him, the sky was still. The few clouds were frozen in place, and the small waves and white caps around Spaceship remained where they were, like an elaborate model. Next to him, he saw his younger self, frozen like a statue, but still wet from his brief adventure of almost being protected to death by the inflatable cocoon. And then there was the octopus. What was his name, Bobby thought before remembering? Ocho something. Their interaction had been so brief before. The creature had rescued him, then climbed into spaceship like he belonged, and then the next thing he knew, the octopus was... gone. Hmm, Bobby said to himself. Bobby, are you there? A signal came through spaceship's speaker system. But it wasn't spaceship. Or, well, it was, but it was Alamina broadcasting from below. Montgomery requests to know if your mission has been successful. Have you done what you need to do? Bobby closed his eyes and took a long, deep breath, soaking in the ocean smell. He looked at the octopus briefly, then pressed a small button next to the speaker and replied, Almost. Okay, now I have. Download it all. Thank you, Alamina, my dear friend. Download commencing, Alamina replied. Download at 25%. Download at 50%. Download at 75%. Download at... Alamina, Bobby chimed in. I'm going to try walking on water again. If it doesn't work, you'll need to come get me. 
And then there was a great splash as the previously still water parted to make way for a green alien crashing through the surface. Wait, Fred shouted, it's not solid, it's still water. I know how this works. Indeed, rather than walking anywhere, the alien sank and sank fast. We have to get him, the group shouted. Download complete, Alamina announced happily. Oh, thank goodness, Montgomery the Moose said. I couldn't focus on keeping everything frozen and rescue him at the same time. And with that, the world around them came back to life, and Alamina dove down to find Bobby as he tumbled through the ocean depths. Up above, the other Bobby looked around at the empty cockpit and then gazed out at the horizon. Okay, spaceship, ready to go? Yes, my solar power is restored, spaceship replied. Funny, it usually takes longer than that. And what happened to that octopus? He's not here anymore. Huh, Bobby replied with a slight smile. He must have gone for a swim. They need water, you know. Are you okay, Bobby? You seem different. Oh, I couldn't be better, my friend. So Spaceship took off again. Even with a broken cockpit, she was flying faster now that she was decongested. Her pilot was content and happy. Back behind them and deep in the ocean, Alamina caught up to the falling Bobby, who was holding his breath and flailing his limbs madly. Montgomery and the Moose teleported him back into Alamina, although to ensure that he got all of Bobby while he was moving so fast, he brought back a whole bubble of water surrounding the alien, which promptly fell to the cabin's floor, soaking some of the smaller creatures. What did you do that for? A number of them demanded of Bobby. Montgomery could have just teleported you. You could have drowned. Montgomery! Montgomery and the rest of you, you all came for me. Well, of course we did, Fred said angrily. You were falling through the ocean. How did that happen? Bobby asked, confused. So, Montgomery the Mouse interrupted the upset crew. Did we get it? Do we have the history of chocolate now? Alamina, Montgomery the Moose asked. Yes, we now have the full documented history of chocolate in my system. The crew cheered in celebration. And I am sending backup copies to our remote servers to make sure it exists even if my own copy is destroyed. Ooh, good point. We should probably know where those backup servers are, Phoebe added, as if she knew what a server was. They are... remote... Alamina replied coyly. Okay, well, never mind that now, Mr. Toucan said. We've got it, right? No, Phoebe's right, Tamar added. I mean, with our luck, Alamina could fall apart right now, and we'd never know where the backups are. Can you please tell us, Alamina? Well, Alamina started with some embarrassment. It's just that everyone always talks about backing things up remotely, and I don't really know what that means. So I just posted it all on a website. Since chocolate wasn't even a word that existed online until just now, it was easy. Just search for a history of chocolate. Oh, Phoebe replied. That's actually super helpful. Alamina and her crew came to the surface, and Montgomery the Moose looked distracted. What's going on? Montgomery the Mouse asked. This is good, right? Now we can go back in time and restore it all. We can fix chocolate. Hmm, Montgomery the Moose replied gazing off into the distant sky before turning to face Bobby, who was reaching into his top and pulling out something slimy and sticky that had got in there. Hello, Choloco, Bobby said in shock. How did you get in there? And how did I fall in the water anyway? And why is Spaceship so much bigger? Why is everyone calling her Alamina? Will someone please explain to me what is going on? Montgomery the Mouse's jaw dropped, and his wide eyes met Montgomery the Moose's. His moose friend was one step ahead of him. That was Bobby's plan, wasn't it? Montgomery the Mouse said quietly. To trade places. Montgomery the Moose nodded. To make sure this Bobby never goes to Tahiti. 
Montgomery the Moose nodded again. But now, if that bobby never goes, won't that cause... A pair of ducks, added Phoebe, who'd been quietly listening in. A paradox, Montgomery the Moose gently corrected, while also deciding that he liked calling it a pair of ducks much better. What? Tamar asked. Well, if he never goes to Madagascar and goes to prison, then he won't come out and come back to stop this bobby from going, Phoebe said. They looked at Montgomery the Moose, who was staring off into the distance. But he is going, isn't he? Montgomery the Mouse asked. Yes, Montgomery the Moose said quietly. He is. He just got out, and now he's going back to do it all over again. And then he'll come out and do it all over again, and again, and again, and again. All to save... He looked at the bobby in front of them, who was struggling to unstick octopus tentacles from his arms and face and slipping on the wet floor in the process. All to save... himself. Wow, the group said, awestruck by what they were hearing. Bobby eventually unstuck El Ocho Loco and threw him across the cabin, where the octopus landed on Montgomery the Moose's muzzle, wrapping around his face for safety. Well, if he would be willing to do that, Montgomery said through octopus tentacles, then we can surely do this. And with that, the group shot through time to prehistory itself. A few miles away from the disappearing Alamina, the future Bobby planned calmly as he sat in Spaceship's cockpit. He'd had more than a year in Tahiti to think about what he could have done differently to change the culture of his people. In fact, it was pretty much all he'd thought about. So yes, he was going back to Madagascar, but this time he would do it right. He had no intention of being put back in Tahiti. And even if he did, he could just come back here and start all over again. By the time he was done, there wouldn't be a Tahiti anymore. After all, what could be so bad? about a paradox. To be continued. Thanks so much for listening. As always, we'd love to hear your stories. Perhaps you could create a story about El Ocho Loco, or tell us what happened next as the future Bobby and Spaceship made their way to Madagascar. As always, we'd love it if you would send us your stories about any of these characters or any others you think would fit in the Mooseverse. You can record a story yourself on audio or video, or write it, or even send in pictures. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. If you're not on our Tales from the Mooseverse newsletter list yet, sign up to receive a sheet of writing tips and activities you can use to grow your own stories. Sign up at mooseverse.com. Mooseverse.com is also where you can find information about our StoryLive online writing and story-growing workshops. And remember to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mooseverse. As always, we're looking forward to reading your stories. After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Mooseverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.